just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Sunday. Should be kind of a slow day for news. Hope you like the show I did with Tyler yesterday. Tyler is the young man from Canada. He's like 28 years old. He's got an interesting perspective of what's going on in this country and kind of balances it with uh, giving us some sense of what's going on in Canada. And as he said yesterday, it sounds like that may be the last time he ends up on the show. He's got a new gig, which is good. He's making more money. He's going to see his kids more often, but they have some policy about social media and being online and talking about politics. So by all means, protect that job. Get your career going because retirement comes a lot quicker than you think. So thanks to Tyler for coming in uh, yesterday and doing the show one last time. I've got a couple of other guests for sure coming up next week, probably three. I've got one listener. I've got Ed at least a couple of times next week. And uh, I've got a gentleman, I just we just locked it down today, yesterday actually, uh, Dr. Joe Wiley. Interesting guy. This is an interesting story too. Uh, the way I met this guy is my wife and I were getting ready to go to the airport in Vermont when we were coming home. So we get into an Uber and we're talking and this gentleman seemed to be pretty outgoing and talking quite a lot. Uh, and you know, me, I'll talk to anybody. It could be a garage sale. It could be in a grocery store. If I get somebody talking, it always interests me. I'm always intrigued by who people are and what they do and why they do it and all of that stuff. So I got talking to this gentleman who was driving the Uber and it was Dr. Joe Wiley. Um, I made no prejudgments about him because I know a lot of people do Uber part-time or whatever. Um, but anyways, we start talking, and he explains to me that uh, he's written several books uh, regarding racism, and he has some different insights to it. And we talked a little bit there. Uh, he, he was involved in writing a documentary. I don't know all the facts, and we'll get that when he shows up. I think we're going to record it on Wednesday, so you'll probably hear it Thursday. But anyway, that's going to be an interesting show. Uh when we had Joel on and we were talking about racism, I thought that was an intriguing show, and I got a lot of good feedback about that. I think you'll like Dr. Joe um, Wiley as well. So that's all coming up. That's all all coming up this week. And then you throw in the other shit shows and news stories that will bound to show up next week. It's going to get hot and heavy over the next couple of weeks. We're leading up to the midterms. And as I've said before, this is really kind of a um, pivotal time. What we know the world as now will dramatically change right after the midterms, regardless of who wins. If the Democrats win, it's going to be a shift um, to a little more power for the Democrats. And hopefully that means more things done for 
the middle class in this country. But it's also going to piss off the Republicans. The Republicans are already pissed off and nervous. They keep telling us, oh, we're going to win. It's going to be a red wave. But they said that with Donald Trump in 2020, and they've said it before. It's just all hype and rhetoric and bullshit. You don't listen to them because they're not bright, and they're not truthful, ever. And you know, uh, I did a TikTok today, and it was taken down for a short time, and then it was put back up again. Somebody got butthurt about it. And what I was talking about on the TikTok is a lot about, a lot like what I was talking about here a number of times. You know, in the last six years with the rise of the Trump Lafux and all the shit we've gone through, I think the thing that I found the most confounding, disconcerting, and upsetting is just how truly stupid these people are. I mean, over and above evil and 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 vindictive and 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 criminal, they're just profoundly stupid. I think you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I have proof of it in the two shows I did with the uh, Trump Lafux, uh, Brian and uh, Mark. What was so troubling to me when I did those shows and whenever I talked to Trump Lafux is they like to spew stuff. They talk loud, so it seems like they're confident. But when you push them against the wall, they really got nothing. And but 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 here's the thing that's really interesting to me. I made this comparison on a TikTok. I said, look, if any one of us walked into a room and there were some mechanical engineers standing in a corner talking about mechanical engineering shit, right? One of us walks in and we don't know anything about mechanical engineering, yet we go over and we start talking and we say something that the mechanical engineers find absolutely ridiculous and they kind of just stare at us. Now, if any one of us did that, what would we do? We'd smack our head and say, oh, my God, I'm so dumb. Why did I say that? Why did I say that? But you notice the Trump don't do it. You can slap them in the face with a fact, and they just stare with this emptiness in their eyes at you like they didn't hear you. Or the other thing that comes about that we hear is that, you know, you give them a fact, an obvious fact, something that's common knowledge in this uh, time, and they'll look at you like, uh, I never heard that before. Sometimes they'll say, I never heard that before. I mean, the absolute abject ignorance, the profound stupidity is truly truly amazing. I mean, is it something, some neurosis they got with this cult, or are they just that stupid? I don't know what it is. And it it goes back to what I've said before. It's one thing um, we would marginalize these people. We would disregard these people in any other setting, but somehow in this country, they've been allowed to gain some purchase, gain some power. And that is due to the media. The media giving them a platform and letting them talk. And no matter how stupid it was, they would let them do it without holding them accountable. And that's how this all took off. And that's how we've got the stupid of us, the most stupid of us, I'll get it right, um, having a certain amount of power in this country. And that is truly troubling. You know, I think I think a good example of that stupidity and it, it gets to the point where it kind of angers me because it's almost insulting. You remember the, the show I did with Brian. Now, Brian was kind of low-key. He 
didn't know what he was talking about. He looked foolish in that or sounded foolish in that podcast, but I don't think he honestly understood that. I don't think he realizes. I mean, these people are too stupid to know they're stupid. It's fucking amazing. So anyway, I do these TikToks and I was doing a TikTok about Paul Pelosi and getting attacked by a Trump fuck and I posted it. And Brian pops in. I thought I blocked him, but Brian pops in on my Facebook page and says, yeah, that's really horrible. But what about the guy that flew across the country and was outside Brett Kavanaugh's home with a gun? I'm thinking, are you fucking serious? So I asked Brian, I said, how how many injuries did uh, Kavanaugh incur? He said, well, none, but it's still, still bad. And I said, Brian, what what are you thinking here? It's like you've got a sign on your shirt that says, please kick my ass. You go through that podcast and then you show up on my Facebook page doing the same stupid stuff that got you into that fucking podcast and made you look foolish in that podcast. And still you do it again. It. <laughs> And, and, you know, they're so weak and they're so, they're not formidable at all. So it's like kicking a puppy after a while. But it's hard for me when they when, when, when they come in and try to push your nose in it when they've just gotten their ass kicked. I don't, I don't understand it. And this is what I'm getting at. It's got to be stupidity. I got to tell you, when I was a young guy, I learned two lessons. I used to tell me, I got my share of tussles and my share of fights and my sons would ask me, Have you, did, you, did you ever lose a fight, Dad? I go, hell no, I never lost a fight. They say, you must have been pretty tough. No, I wasn't that tough. I just didn't fuck with people I knew would kick my ass. I made friends with those motherfuckers. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to fight with those people. We had this, uh, I'm in ninth grade. I think I told this story, too. Ninth grade, we're going to high school. Uh, there's another junior high that's going to also go to our high school. And we met a lot of the kids, a lot of the girls, and everybody got along pretty much. But there were these two twins, two twin guys. And uh, they were fucking huge. They were fucking huge. They were like six foot three in ninth grade and like 220 or 230 pounds. They weren't fat, they were in shape. And just to make it all worse, and I swear on a Bible on this, these two brothers' last name were the Slaughters. (laughs) Man, everything about them was terrifying. And when I first saw them and heard about them, I thought to myself, well, no matter how tough I am, if I should run into trouble against these guys— I'm pretty much dead, so I went and made friends with them. Because not only am I not going to have to fight them now, if somebody wants to come after me, I got some pretty good fucking backup. But somebody like Brian, and I'm presuming ultimately somebody like Mark, just don't have enough sense. They they run into a windmill of fist, and then they come back for more because they think they finally got you. I don't know. It's frustrating. It's frustrating, and I shouldn't rant about the guy because he's pointless and ignorant, and after the midterms, they don't count. They don't count now, but too many people give them accountability. 
They don't make them accountable, but they treat them like they're somebody and like they have any kind of um, role in today's world. Well, they don't. Anyhow, let's move on. I have one email. We've had a lot of emails lately, but today we just have one. It's uh, from somebody named Chris, and I don't know if that's a male or a female for sure. I think it's a male. He says, hi, Mike. I've been listening to you for about six months and like you. I'm ret- Oh, no, wait a minute. i got to read that again. <laughs> He's not saying, I like you. <laughs> this is why you got to pre-read shit now and again, but I don't always do that. <clears throat> Anyways, he says, hi, Mike. I've been listening to you for about six months and like you, I'm retired. He's comparing us. He's not saying he likes me. I presume he kind of likes the show. Anyway, I'm getting my B.A. in history at 59 years old after working in sales for 29 years. Trumplicans are such easy marks, and your deposal of the ones you invited on your show were laughable. I had fought cancer. No, we all have to battle the Constitution. Keep up the straight shit. I love to come on your show, Chris. Chris, you're more than welcome to come on. Send me another email, tell me when you're available, and we'll get it worked out. I appreciate the fact that you're 59 years old and you're looking at uh, improving yourself and maybe getting into some other areas, whether it be for a job or just for an avocation. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, But uh, I give you a lot of credit. Uh, The fact that you fought cancer, a lot of respect for that, too. And I can relate to that. I've told the story, too. I had cancer when I was 29. It was testicular cancer, and it was a pretty easy process. I had surgery, little radiation, and I was never in danger. So I don't really lean on being a cancer survivor, per se, because I've known a lot of people that really struggled and had horrible times with dealing with cancer. Some of them have survived, and many of them have not. So I don't put myself in the same category with those folks. I didn't struggle. I was a little scared, but but uh, I was fine through it all. All right. Now, one of the things we've been talking about a lot this weekend was this attack on Paul Pelosi, the 82-year-old husband of Nancy Pelosi. He was attacked with a hammer. For the most part, Republican lawmakers have been saying the right thing and condemning the attack. There was one case of stupidity. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin talked about sending Pelosi back home to be with her husband. Now, the conservative news media will likely be different. One can only imagine what Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram will have to say about the attack. And in some ways... They're not talking about it. In other ways, they're coming out with outlandish, fucking crazy conspiracy theories. Let's just say this up front. This guy, you know, the, 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 the Republicans are saying, well, he was a, in a nudist colony and he lived in a commune, so clearly he's a liberal. Uh, they tried to make him out to be black originally. They were passing around a picture that showed a black man. It wasn't him. In fact, then they showed a white guy. That wasn't him. It's somebody completely different. But regardless of what this guy was in the past, it's very clear that he's been caught up in this cult. Because we know prior to the uh, attack, he had been posting a lot of conspiracy theories, Republican 
diatribes, uh, talking about COVID, talking about January 6th, talking about Nancy Pelosi and all those things. Clearly, he was a radical right-wing idiot. And he got into the uh, got into the building. He ended up uh, um, beating Paul Pelosi with a hammer. Now, what's interesting about this? <clears throat> I presumed that Paul Pelosi had hit some kind of alarm before he met up with this guy, but apparently Paul Pelosi made a nine one one call, and I, I don't know what they mean exactly. They said he was talking in code, but they could hear something was going on, and they immediately headed out. Now, when the police came in. Uh, apparently, both men were trying to hold the hammer, but uh, the suspect, which is named uh, David DePepe, or Pappy, whatever the fuck, who cares, um, had hit Paul Pelosi with the hammer. Now, there, there's been some question where the hammer came from, and it really doesn't make a difference. Um, it, at first, I thought Paul Pelosi had picked up the hammer as kind of a kind of a quasi weapon when he went down to investigate the noises, the breaking of the window, because he did break a window. I had people come on my post on uh, TikTok saying, "No, the door was open." Like that makes it better. I can't believe that somebody comes to me and says, "Well, the door was open." Okay, well then Paul Pelosi deserved to have his head bashed in, right? What a fucking dumb comment. Anyway. We know he broke some glass. We know he was in there. And we know what happened. We know who this guy is. But what are the Republicans doing? Well, they're trying to make it out to be something it's not. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're talking about... Um, um, they're talking about um, it being some gay love triangle and he was there and it's a lover's core the motherfucking guy is 82 years old come on that ain't gonna fucking work and the reason they're saying it there is a 911 call the this tape that went on and uh, again paul pelosi was talking in code talking in code um to the police okay and he he told them initially that somebody was in the in the house and attempting or had already attacked him. I don't know for sure. Now in that tape, it wasn't Paul Pelosi talking. It was a dispatcher who got the call, and she was relaying to a cop. And in the first part of it, she very clearly said that Paul Pelosi said that uh, he didn't he didn't know who it was. Okay. And then later in the call, this dispatcher said something about being a friend, and of course that's that's what the uh, <clears throat> that's what the Republicans take off with. Oh, it was somebody he knew was in there. Yeah, why why would Paul Pelosi have a raging Trumplefuck in his house? But they're trying to use that one word and try to expand on it like there's something nefarious going on here. And that's not just not the case. Think about what has been said. Paul Pelosi is making this call, maybe as he's up in his room or he's coming down the steps and he's kind of telling him what's happening. He gets down the steps. He has the phone. And 
as the police said, he talked in code. So they already know what's going on, and he's got to talk to them on the phone in front of this guy. In front of this guy. So maybe he did say friend in order to keep things mellow. Maybe he's thinking, if I just placate this guy, he'll just go away. Well, nonetheless, the police showed up. They found both of them holding the hammer somehow. They may have even seen this guy hit Paul Pelosi with the hammer. Now, this has turned into a bigger thing. It's not just a mugging because he broke into somebody's house, but he didn't break into just anybody's house. He broke into Nancy Pelosi's house. When he broke into the house, he said, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Clearly, he was in a violent state, and he was looking for Nancy Pelosi. Well, Nancy Pelosi is second in line to the presidency, so this becomes more than an attack or a B&E. This becomes a murder attempt because he certainly did try to murder Paul uh, Pelosi. He tried to murder him. Had the police not been in there very quickly, he probably would be dead. I mean, the guy's 82 years old. But being violent and screaming for Nancy Pelosi's name and the fact that Nancy Pelosi is a um, Speaker of the House, now we're looking at what they call an assassination attempt. That's what they're calling it. And so it's really expanded out, and we're knowing more about the story. But, of course, um, the right-side media, I won't say news people because they're not, uh, are trying to spin it any number of ways. People on, on social media are coming on people's posts and saying, oh, it was just this, it was just that. See, you have to understand what happened here is absolutely devastating, devastating to the Republicans this close to the midterms. The Democrats are trying to let people know that these people identify with violence and chaos and rhetoric, and insurrection. And this epitomizes that. This is a perfect illustration of who the Republicans are. And of course, the radical right is upset about it. They know this is not good for them. Newsmax's Greg Kelly got a head start tweeting a theory that Pelosi staged the attack to help with the midterms. Are you fucking serious? Do you... <laughs> So what you're telling me is Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi are multimillionaires. They're in their 80s. <laughs> and they were so desperate. They were so desperate to win the midterms that Paul Pelosi said, yeah, I'll take a couple shots to the head with a hammer so we can win the midterms. You see how ridiculous that is? But these dumb motherfuckers, this is what they do. This is what they've done since Donald Trump took office in 2016, and they've done it every step of the way. They not only lie, but they come up with this ridiculous shit, and they expect people to believe it. And the sad thing is there is a certain amount among us that do fucking believe it. it these people are despicable. So Greg Kelly from Newsmax tweeted Later yesterday afternoon, just wondering if Nancy Pelosi tried to stage her own mini January 6th, complete with leaving the doors and windows open for insurrectionists and this DePepe fellow. 
that or she can't secure her home or office. Well, that, that is a good point. You would think there would be better security at the home of the Speaker of the House. Why that isn't the case, um, I don't know. That is, that is a misstep, but it's certainly not illegal, and it's certainly not something that suggests that an attack is okay just because you left door open. I don't think she left door open. The fact is, he ended up breaking a window or windows to get in, so why would he do that, make all that noise, if there was a fucking door open? Now, the suspect is a 42-year-old man man named David DePappy. He was arrested for the attack. A quick look at the alleged attacker's social media shows that he subscribes to many of the conspiracy theories regularly pushed by Kelly on Newsmax. The Newsmax host has since deleted his tweets. Oh, big surprise. So now... House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has addressed this attack. It took a while to hear from her. Um, I know she was out of state, probably on the East Coast, maybe in D.C. or New York or something, and she had to go back. Can you imagine that trip back? You know something horrible has happened. Your husband is in the hospital, and you've got to get on a plane and be on that plane for four or five hours trying to deal with that. You're out of communications, and you're scared to death about your spouse. Well, that's what she had to do. Um, Apparently, Paul Pelosi sustained a skull fracture along with other serious injuries in in the home break-in. Now, again, keep in mind, a uh, skull fracture is, is horrific and dangerous and potentially life-threatening for anybody. But this gentleman is 82 years old. The fact that he survived this long after something like that is truly amazing. The House Speaker's statement addressed to her colleagues in Congress comes one day after the man broke into the couple's San Francisco home. Um, David DePepe, who San Francisco police identified as the suspect in the hammer attack, reportedly shared conspiracy theories and blogged screeds against Jews, black people, Democrats, the media, and transgendered people. The Washington Post reported on Saturday that Paul Pelosi is expected to make a full recovery after he underwent surgery. So that is that is good news. Now, Nancy Pelosi wasn't home, as I said. And she wrote a letter to her colleagues, and I will read it to you right now. Dear colleague, yesterday morning, a violent man broke into our family home, demanded to confront me, and brutally attacked my husband, Paul. Our children, our grandchildren, and I are heartbroken and traumatized by the life-threatening attack on our pop, Pelosi said. We are grateful for the quick response of the law enforcement and emergency services and for the life-saving medical care he is receiving. Please know that the outpouring of prayers and warm wishes from so many in the Congress is a comfort to our family and is helping Paul make progress with his recovery. His condition continues to improve. We are also comforted by the words of the book of Isaiah. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteousness right hand. She continued, We thank you 
and pray for the continued safety and well-being of our family. Sincerely, Nancy Pelosi. It's got to be terrifying. And and I got to believe right now that uh, Nancy Pelosi has the protection at the level that Joe Biden has protection. As we get closer to these midterms, we are going to see more of this kind of activity. As I've said before, you're not going to see the groups coming out and stage a major attack, but you're going to get some of these crazy fucks that come out and do crazy shit. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that somebody would be able to get into Nancy Pelosi's house and then try to kill her and when she's not there, go after her husband. Now, the Republicans, the trump would have you believe that there's some nefarious thing, some secret thing. It was staged. It was all this stuff. Remember, they told us that the January 6th thing was Antifa and it was staged, which was absolute bullshit. They are scared to death about something like this happening because they feel it's going to hurt them in the midterms and it with a question will hurt them in the midterms. So what do they do? They spin it off with these crazy fucking conspiracy theories. I mean, after hearing all these things over these six years, none of them ending up being true, none of them coming to fruition, you would think people of a normal, reasonable mind would say, you know, if they never really happen and none of this is ever never true, maybe we shouldn't listen to these people. But somehow the trump can't see that. And that takes us back to where I started this thing. And I said, these are some dumb motherfuckers. And I tell you what, once the midterms are over, we should take the tact of disregarding them. Once we get them out of any kind of power, disregard them. The media should disregard them. We should all disregard them because we are the ones giving them power by giving them attention and notice and taking what they say um, as legitimate. Nothing they say is legitimate. Nothing Donald Trump has ever said when he was in office was legitimate. It was all bullshit. And that's the most frustrating thing. We've allowed that to happen. And we, you know, as Democrats or independents or whatever, we have to own that. The fact that Donald Trump rose to what he rose to and the fact that we have these, this faction of trump that are not only stupid but they're dangerous, that's kind of on us. We kind of let it happen. We have to learn a lesson for this, shut these fuckers down, and make sure it never happens again. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. So after this attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband, this should be a red flag to us. This should be a red flag to police departments all across the country. This should be a red flag to the FBI, to the National Guard, whatever. Everything about the midterms is contentious. Everybody going into the midterms, Democrats and Republicans, believe that regardless of what happens, our future is in danger. The Republicans actually believe that. They believe that if the Democrats win, it was probably cheating and that it, was, it may be the end of our 
form of government. Of course, they want authoritarianism. They want fascism. But it's the same for the Democrats. They've been told over and over again, if they don't win the House and the Senate, that is the end of democracy. Now, of course, that's not true. Everybody wants to make it a big deal. I mean, if the Republicans win the House and the Senate, uh, that's a problem. But as Tyler pointed out yesterday, Joe Biden's still the president for two years. The Democrats hold control until January, so there's some things they can do leading up to that. But there's a lot of other things that are going to happen, too. We know the midterms, when they're done, we're going to start seeing some action out of the DOJ and Georgia and New York. All of them are holding back because of the impending election. None of them wants to be accused of trying to impact the election, which to me sounds stupid. I mean, it's one thing if 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 uh, um, if we find out a politician picks his nose and eats his boogers. We're not going to tell anybody till after the election because we don't want that to affect the election. Okay, I kind of get that. Not a big deal. Uh, no reason to embarrass the guy or gal before the election. But we're talking about insurrection. We're talking about a coup. We're talking about national security. The fact that we're waiting for an election to be over before we attack those problems is absurd to me. I understand the reason why they want to wait. But these problems are so horrible, so dangerous. I don't see that waiting until after the election is, is justified. We should be going after this now. Now, I'm not the Attorney General. I'm not Merrick Garland. I'm not even going to suppose to tell him how to do his job. But that said, things have to get done. As long as this narrative continues, as long as these people continue to talk, these situations like with Paul Pelosi and God knows whatever else will happen between now and November 8th, they're going to continue unless something is done to shut it down. First and foremost, the most important thing is to shut up Donald Trump, and there's one easy way to do it. That is to indict him. We have multiple ways with actual evidence and witnesses that would justify indicting Donald Trump. I suspect it will come sometime uh, um, uh, sometime after the election. Now, we did hear the DOJ hired uh, somebody named Rafkin. He is an attorney, a prosecutor that specializes in just the things that Donald Trump was involved in. That's a bad sign for Donald Trump, and he knows it. We know that on True Social, he's losing his shit. Um, but he, he's without question going to get some kind of indictment when it comes up after the elections. I can almost guarantee you that. There is no way he can get through this without getting, at the very least, one indictment, and he'll probably get multiple indictments. So everything is hanging by a thread for both sides. Both sides expect impending doom if they lose. So somebody's going to lose, and somebody is going to be upset. Now, several government agencies are warning that political extremists pose a heightened threat around the midterm elections as political candidates and election officials could become targets. And when they say that, you know, we're talking about potential candidates. Say you've got a candidate running for governor or 
senator and it's just a little too tight. I mean, we know one for, well, we know multiple places where the elections are tight. But the one that's interesting is the one in Iowa with Grassley. Now, Grassley has always won his Senate seats going away. No problems. And now it's a very thin margin. And he might even be losing at this point. You get people that are part of his uh, constituents that are feeling the pressure that a Democrat may win. Who knows what the fuck they will do? Or the people in Georgia, or the people in Pennsylvania, or the people in Ohio. Depending on the level of volatility for Trumplicans in any one of these states, that could put each candidate in a position of being a target. And that is a little nerve-wracking. The bulletin from the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the U.S. Capitol Police, and the National Counterterrorism Center reportedly came out the same day a man broke into Nancy Pelosi's house and assaulted her husband. They know what's going on. They're they're not reading tea leaves here. They're seeing what's going on on the Internet. They're hearing the chatter, and they're getting nervous. Now, NPR reported that such threats by lone actors pose the greatest security risk. And I, I have to agree, as I've said before, I don't think we're going to see large groups of people attacking buildings or anything like that. Because if they do that, they are going to be in a world of fucking trouble. They are going to receive pushback, especially after what happened on January 6th. And this will put each one of these people who decide to attack whatever it is they're going to attack in mortal danger. And they should be in mortal danger if they attempt something like that again. But that doesn't necessarily account for those crazy fucks like this guy who went into Nancy Pelosi's house or some other guy walking down the street or some guy in Washington, D.C. pulling off something stupid. We know on January 6th we had somebody plant bombs at the Democratic and Republican headquarters. They didn't go off. And it's my sense that they never intended it them for, to go off. They were hoping the police would find out about it and would draw them away from the Capitol so the insurrectionists could do what they were meant to do. The agencies distributed the document to their partners in law enforcement across the country. This will be everywhere. Following the 2022 midterm election, perceptions of election fraud and dissatisfaction with electoral outcomes likely will be results in heightened threats of violence against a broad range of targets, such as ideological opponents and election workers. The outlet noted it did not contain any specific examples of threats. There certainly are some. There's no question. It builds, however, on a warning that the FBI issued earlier this month that election workers were facing unprecedented threats in seven states, Arizona, Colorado, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Wisconsin. So now with less than two weeks to Election Day, the new document listed many potential targets for domestic violent extremism. Candidates running for public office, elected officials, election workers, political rallies, political party representatives, racial and religious minorities, or perceived ideological opponents. And that's the one I want to mention to you. 
That's the one I wanted to mention to you. Because as much as we're worried about candidates and as much as we're worried about other kinds of leaders and people in in groups like the election workers, I want you to be careful. I want me to be careful. Because, you know, from time to time we will run into Trumplefox and we'll have our little debates or arguments and whatever. But you have to remember we're closing in on a moment in time where they think their world could be taken away from them if if the Democrats win. So as they stated in this document, there is a heightened possibility of violence. We do have to worry about the violence against politicians and organizations and such like that. But even us as citizens, we have to be careful about what we do. If you get somebody trying to draw you into an argument, some Trumplefuck trying to draw you into an argument, just step away from it. Just step away from it. You don't know how unhinged these people are, how triggered they are. And the last thing you need is to have some guy start some kind of physical altercation over something so ridiculous as as an election. So as much as officials have to be concerned and should be careful, you and I and all of us of similar minds have to be careful too. We need to... We, we we need to have some willpower here and not get into the fray with somebody, your neighbor, a family member, or whatever, because it's really at the point where people are starting to freak out and they are nervous. And that's when bad things happen, when people get nervous or they're unsure or they think they're losing something. This is why I've said before, too, that uh, you may want to watch the Democratic side, too. There are people that are profoundly scared. And when people get scared and nervous and think there's no hope, they react rashly. So it's important It's important that you keep that in mind and be careful yourself. Now, something you need to know, you know, of course, we have the Paul Pelosi thing. He's in the hospital. That's all going on. But what you need to understand about the volatility of what's going on in this country. Over half of Republicans running for major offices this year are election deniers. Over half of them. And that's according to an analysis by the Washington Post. Around 50 are running in close races. So you've got the people, the crazy people that follow them. And then if it looks like they're losing or they do lose, They're going to do the very same thing that Donald Trump did, incite violence. They've lost. Now all bets are off. They have nothing to lose, so why not stir these crazy fucks up and maybe they come out of it uh, getting put back in office. That's not going to happen. It'll never happen. But that doesn't mean they're not smart enough to know that. We've already heard about heavily armed poll watchers. They cropped up in Arizona where they have been spotted surveilling ballot drop boxes in what was a hotly contested county two years ago. Uh, There are more than 100 lawsuits that have been filed largely by Republicans in states complaining about mail-in and early voting rules, how voters are registered, and what machines they use. I never understood that because here's the thing. Prior to 2016, 
the people that used absentee ballots and and mail-in ballots were mostly Republicans. But now somehow they feel those are illegitimate. Now, what if you threw out all the mail-in ballots? You'd probably get just as many Republicans as Democrats, I'm guessing. Maybe not this time around, but prior to this, that would have been the case. And it wouldn't have done the Republicans any good. But they're so short-sighted, so stupid, they don't fucking even know. So when you're out there and voting, if you've got these putzes out there with their tactical gear on and they're trying to intimidate, don't be intimidated. I suspect there'll be a large police uh, presence at the um, polling places. But again, this country is in a volatile state. You need to be careful. And maybe early voting and absentee ballots is a good thing because we don't know what it's going to be like walking up to the polls. If they do get out of hand, it won't last very long and these people will be taken to task and they could get hurt doing this. Now, when you hear the podcast and even the TikToks, you'll hear me use the term fuck around and find out. I didn't create that that comment. I didn't invent that. I stole it from somebody else who probably stole it from somebody else. But here's a good example of that phrase. Now, according to a report from the Washington Post, a lieutenant general who was backed by the Pentagon to become a four-star general, only to have his reputation damaged over his reported inaction and then accusations of lying related to January 6th. This guy got passed over for his his promotion, his four stars, if you will. Now, I'm sure he's incredibly butthurt, but what are you supposed to do? You're somebody who supports uh, overthrowing our government, and you're in our military, and, uh, and then you deny and lie about it after the fact. We're supposed to make you a four-star general? Come on. Lieutenant General Walter E. Piat, the director of the Army staff, was slated to move up the chain based on a Pentagon recommendation, but the White House does not agree. Now, according to the report, the White House declined to send nomination for Piat to the Senate for months. Officials said effectively killing that possibility. Now, the Post reports Piat found himself in a political crosshair within days of the January 6th insurrection after former Capitol Police Chief Steve Sund, who resigned after the attack, accused of the general of saying in a key meeting during the riot that he could not recommend to his boss at the time, Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy, that the D.C. National Guard be deployed to help the police quell the violence. Piat, Sund said, exasperated other senior U.S. officials on a conference call by expressing concerns about how it would look if military personnel responded. Piat initially denied Sun's allegations in a statement, but acknowledged in a call with reporters about two weeks later that he had conferred with others who were present and that it was possible he made comments to that effect. You'll remember that the uh, Trumplefox would say, well, Nancy Pelosi held back the National Guard. (laughs) Well, clearly she didn't. 
It wasn't her call. We know Michael Flynn's uh, brother is a general in the Pentagon who was kind of in charge of that. And now we find out this Piot piece of shit even said, we, we're not going to deploy him. It, it's not a good look. We're not going to do that. People are dying on the U.S. Capitol. People are um, they're attempting to overthrow our government. And for whatever reason, these people are worried about the optics of it all. You see, that's fucking bullshit. That's fucking ridiculous. And that's not Nancy Pelosi. That is the Pentagon. The Pentagon is in charge of deploying the National Guard. Now, in every other state, of course, it's the governor that deploys the National Guard. But since Washington, D.C. isn't a state and they're in Washington, D.C., the people in charge of deploying the National Guard and overseeing the National Guard is the Pentagon. And again, in the Pentagon, we had Michael Flynn's brother in this fucking cloud, this Piat fellow, and he fucked around and found out. He's not going to get his four-star general promotion. But what I have a problem with that story is, okay, don't give him the promotion, but why is he even still in the military? Why is he in a position of leadership, of power? We know who he is. We know what he thinks. We know what he supports. Is this somebody we really need in our fucking military? I don't think so. I don't think he should get the four stars, but I think he should probably be court-martialed, too. He's working against our country. He's not doing what he took a pledge to do, and that is protect the Constitution. What more do you have to do to get fired? I don't know what's going to happen to this guy. He's obviously not very happy at this point because he's not getting the promotion he was counting on. All right. Let's go look at a dumb fuck. I don't like this guy, never liked this guy, never thought he was talented. Uh, You know, I talked to my son, oh, he's really talented, but now he's fucking himself over. Rapper Kanye West issued an apology of sorts to the family of George Floyd as he faces a $250 million lawsuit by Floyd's, uh, the Floyd's after the artist falsely claimed fentanyl caused his death, not the Minneapolis police. Well, did you watch the nine-minute video, motherfucker? Clearly you didn't. Or you're just stupid. Now, the rapper who was legally, he's legally changed his name to Ye. Who cares? He discussed his evolving views on the topic with the paparazzi. Consequence of Sound reported this. Now, I want you to listen to what he said. This is his apology. I want to apologize, West said. Because God has showed me by what Adidas is doing, by what the media is doing, now what it feels, I now know what it feels like to have a knee on my neck right now. He said, referring to the actual cause of Floyd's death. See what he did there? I'm sorry about minimizing the death of George Floyd, but don't worry, I know now because I've got. Uh, A knee on my neck. They're taking away my money and my endorsements. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you speak out against your own country, you dumb motherfucker? He's got the same problem Donald Trump has. They're entitled. 
they get everything their way. So they think they can push the issue and get people to love whatever they say. They're so brilliant. They're such orators that they can say anything and people will just love it. Well, Donald Trump and Kanye are finding out that that's not the truth. Kanye went on to say, so thank you, God, for humbling me and letting me know how it really felt, he said. Fuck you, because how could the richest black man ever be humbled other than to be made not to be a billionaire in front of everyone off a comment? He can't fucking apologize. He turns it in. Yeah, George Floyd thing was bad, but look what they're doing to me. I was a billionaire. Now I'm not a billionaire. Oh, my God, my heart just breaks for you. Where's your compassion for the people of this country that are starving, that can't pay their bills, that can't pay their rent, but we're supposed to feel sorry for you because you lost a few hundred million dollars, but you still have several hundred million dollars. Fuck you. West lost his billionaire status on Forbes' list after losing his deal with Adidas over his anti-Semitic remarks. Um, As a clumsy and self-aggrandizing as the apology was, it was actually the high point of West's remarks. Consequences... Consequence of sound reported. He also said his mental health issues were misdiagnosed by a Jewish doctor that would have had me on medications right now. If I was on medication right now, then one pill could have been swapped out and it would have been uh, Prince or Michael Jackson all over again. But because I didn't take the medication, I'm able to speak to you guys clear of thought and transparently. But... You can be clear of thought, but you're going to be racist. Yeah. Kanye is the younger black version of Donald Trump. But what about me? I am the victim. Oh, my gosh. I'm the victim. I'm not a fan of Kanye West. I argue with people about whether he's a musical genius or not. And I don't know a lot about Kanye West. I don't know any of his music, but I know a large part of his music takes old music, samples it, and then turns it into a song. Well, you could build a shitty car, but if you put a Ferrari engine in it, of course it's going to be a fast car. And that's, you know, that's what Kanye does. He writes these songs around songs that are already hits. And then he gets a hit and see see how talented I am? I don't I don't get it. I'm sure there's some of the younger people that listen to the show that say, well, that's not exactly it. Well, I'm 62 and I don't give a fuck about Kanye West. He's a probably, he's going to become inconsequential and that's where he should be. If you're a musician, fucking do your music and shut up. I remember a, a video. I, in fact, I just saw it recently and it was... You know, when I was young, I've told you before, I was a big Elvis Presley fan. And and I saw a video of a press conference where Elvis was sitting there. Um, and somebody asked him about the Vietnam War. It was in the 60s or early 70s or something when they were doing this, this uh, press conference. And some woman stood up and said, what are your thoughts on... Uh, Uh, The Vietnam War, should we get out of there? Should we be fighting in there? My guess is, given Elvis Presley, where he was from, 
he was probably supported the Vietnam War because he felt like he had to support everything the country did. But what he said was, was, oh, ma'am, I'm just, I'm just an entertainer. I'm just an entertainer. That's all I do. And, uh, I'd rather keep that to myself. I, I, I don't have any business talking about that. Now that's what entertainers should do because the entertainers might be, um, special in terms of their musical talents, but that doesn't make them bright, certainly knowledgeable about about uh, politics and government and international news. They don't know shit about that. They don't know any more than anybody else. So fuck Kanye. Did you hear that he, he got kicked out by, by uh, Adidas? He lost that deal, of course. And then he tried to fix it quickly by going over to Skechers which seems weird. Adidas is kind of a young, hip um, company, which I think is weird too, because I remember back in the early 70s when we all started wearing Adidas, and that was the cool thing to do. And that, you know, we're talking 45, 50 years ago, and now they're still cool. But instead, he decided to go over to Skechers. Now, I will say this about Skechers. I love Skechers. I'm an old man. Uh, Fashion isn't a big deal for me anymore. Although they look pretty good, but they are the most comfortable shoes for my situation. So I like Skechers. Now, I like Skechers even more because they kicked Kanye's ass out the fucking door. They literally escorted him out the door. (sighs) Once again, as I said earlier, fuck around and find out. Kanye's find it out. You remember when this all started, he was saying, well... I can't be canceled. I'm too powerful. I'm too rich. I'm too much a genius. Well, he's finding out that anybody can get canceled if you do fucked up shit. Now, this is this this last story isn't really so fucked up as it is stupid. And this again takes us back to what I said about Trumplefox. They are stupid. Now, in one of the most closely watched U.S. governor races in the 2022 midterms, the Republican, a Republican's candidate's wife had to step in on his behalf after he was asked about anti-Semitism. Who do you think we're talking about? Well, at a Saturday press conference in Pennsylvania, GOP nominee Doug Mastriano, who is an absolute racist, an absolute Trump humper, and a fucking idiot. Now, he was asked by an Israeli reporter about his relationship with Andrew Torba and the extremist website Gab, which is a haven for white supremacy and anti-Semitism. And so Mastriano clearly didn't know what to say. He was cornered at this point, and he says, yeah, so, uh, and then then there was like about a two-second pause. And while he's paused, not knowing what to fucking say, his wife steps up, his wife steps up and says, I would like to make a comment on that. Wife Rebbe Mastriano said as she stepped towards the lectern. Please, her husband said as he backed away from the microphones. This motherfucker wants to be governor of the state. And uh, he didn't know how to answer the question. So he backed away and let mommy do it. (laughs) Some of his supporters cheered. Um, 
She said, I'm just going to say as a family, we so much love Israel, she said. In fact, I'm going to say we probably love Israel more than a lot of Jews do. Oh, there's a good comment. Yeah, we love, <laughs> we're we're Roman Catholic and we love Israel more than the Jews do. Sound like Donald Trump. She says, I have to say that. Mastriani is facing Attorney General Josh Shapiro, who in fact is Jewish. Rebbe, do you, do you like Israel more than Josh Shapiro? So Mastriano got tongue-tied and couldn't say anything. So wife Rebbe steps up <laughs> and says, we Roman Catholics, I'm assuming they're Roman Catholics because they're Italian. Um, we love Israel more than a lot of Jews do. Yeah, you know, Rebbe, you really didn't help him out that much. That really wasn't good. Well, I mean, at least you came up with something to say. But Jesus Christ, this is what I mean. These people are absolutely stupid. And and still, Trump will stand in the crowd and clap for him. They can make absolute fools of themselves, and they still clap for them. As I've said before, there is a certain faction of people that are the base for the Trump We just are not going to change their minds. It's not going to happen. But the important thing is we don't have to change their minds. We only have to change a certain percentage of Republicans' minds to win races. And there's got to be a certain, even a small percentage of reasonably minded Republicans that just can't buy into racism, misogyny, anti-Semitism, overthrowing the country, stealing documents and selling them to our, our, our adversaries and enemy countries. There's got to be some in there that just can't align themselves with that kind of behavior. And this is why I think during the midterms, the Senate and the House is going to go the way of the Democrats. I just don't see how it goes any other way. I could be wrong. You know, with the gerrymandering and all that stuff, I could be wrong. But common sense tells me I'm not. Just because the media and the Republican tell us otherwise, that doesn't mean shit to me. They are frequently wrong, and they frequently lie to us and bullshit us. So to believe in them, to trust in them would be foolish. If somebody lies to you all the time, if you keep, it's just like the old Herb Brooks thing. Fool me once, shame on me, or shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That's the old Herb Brooks thing, but I don't even think he wrote that either. Somebody else did it. But that's, that's a good point. Everybody can get fooled once, but if you allow them to fool you a second and a third time, Well, that bullshit is on you. You should be smarter than that. All right. We are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you all for taking the time out of your day to sit and listen. I'm always appreciative of that. You you can't even know. The idea that I can do a podcast and there's a lot of people out there that want to listen to it is so, so rewarding for me. You know, there's a lot of people going to social media. They want to make money and they want fame and fortune, all this stuff. Just the fact that you folks take the time out of your day and have enough interest to pay attention, that's all I need. I hope you have a great day and we will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. 
Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.